Welcome back to Time Out with the Sports Doctor podcast, where life, sports, and medicine intersect. We're very glad that you continue to support this podcast. You can get the information on any platform uh, where podcasts are played, as well as getting the video content on YouTube. But if you want to just get one place to find all the content, go to my website at drgarrickthesportsdoctor.com and you will find everything on that website. So without further ado, let's get into this episode. All right, welcome back to another episode of Time Out with the Sports Doctor podcast. And it is January 15th, 2024, when this episode is being released, day that has been set aside to honor the life and legacy of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., who gave his life for many others. And it's been a tradition that I've honored Dr. Martin Luther King on his day since I've had my podcast. And we will do the same today, but today we do it from a different manner. Something that I had no intentions of doing was honoring the life and legacy of my grandfather, Charlie Burgess Sr., affectionately known as Big Daddy, to many, as well as to this podcast. I had the opportunity to interview him as my first guest, and the episode released on 6-20-2021, where we sat down and actually discussed his full life. And I'm very glad that we had that, because many times history gets lost, uh, but to have that recorded is very important to me and to my children and to the, the legacy, truly, of the family. So what I plan to do today is to do what I've been doing a lot of, which is reflecting on the memories that I have all the way back from age three at his house where I split my ear open to our final ride at age of 43. So at least 40 years that I can remember his life and the impact that he's had on me and getting me to the point where I am but the impact was so much greater than just his family. It was on the community, it was on the state, and truly on the nation. Born August 13th, 1928, Big Daddy was nearly five months older than Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. They were contemporaries, they were colleagues, and he would say that he did not have a front row seat or he was not on the, the front row. He was simply in the crowd um, he did not have an important role in the global efforts of Dr. Martin Luther King, but definitely in the local efforts in the state of Alabama, in the Southeast region. And as you know, or many of you know, the civil rights movement was closely tied with the church. And Big Daddy was a pastor um, of a church for many years during this period of time. So. I remember many stories that he told. I remember many sayings that he did. So what we're going to do is look at three different things, faith, family, and philanthropy. In that order, his relationship with God was definitely number one, as I mentioned, as an ordained minister, but much bigger than that, as his daily walk. He lived his life truly as a servant to God and to man. He's a father of five, but he cared for so many other people and other people's children, no matter what it would be. He did that despite race or socioeconomic class. Once you met him, you knew that you had met a special person because he lived by the theme that he wanted to live his life 
so that he will be missed when he was gone and that he definitely did so he always talk about his relationship with god and his faith with god and how god protected him especially during the days of growing up on a plantation um, through the days of the civil rights movement being in places where you knew that you were a target or you knew that death was imminent death was around the corner or death could happen at any time but not walking in fear but walking by faith is something that he learned to do in his life and that he shared that message with others and encouraged others to live that same way and to show your love for god by your love for mankind treating your family well and not only treating those who love you but treating your enemies well you know in addition to that so you will be hard pressed to find people to say anything bad about his life truly because of the way that he lived and then the second thing i would say was family no one ever doubted that he loved who he called affectionately called his mama which was delia burgess his wife of over 75 years during the last days when he was apart he would always just ask you know how's mama doing what's going on with mama is she getting the care and the treatment that he needed and he wanted to spend his last days and every moment that he possibly could in her presence and from that union came five children very blessed that they're all still alive as well five adult children many grandchildren and great-grandchildren but as i mentioned before not only his immediate family he cared for the community um, in the same manner that he cared for his own family he would always uh, make sure that the needs were met of his church members or for those who could not take care of themselves. He would always pass out turkeys on Christmas uh, to those that were less fortunate. He would raise money to help pay bills for people, help get people out of jail, whatever it needed to be, he would do it. It's no task too big or no task that he felt was beneath him in his service for mankind. As I mentioned, you know, I had the ability to interview him. Please go back and listen to that episode. Um, he talked about his life growing up as a young man and being able to, or being forced to work daily on the plantation and how that compromised his education. So due to the fact that he had to live a life where he was deprived of education he emphasized education in his children's lives as well as in my life personally. I can recall even from kindergarten on when we got a report card showing it to Big Daddy and the excitement that he would have uh, for our good grades. I think the current pay rate was a dollar for an A and 50 cents for a B, but he wanted to incentivize us to show the importance of what education was because he knew that that was your way out the way to break the social norms, the way to break through the social economic ceiling that have been placed on so many um, African-Americans coming out of the post-slavery era where working and farming was truly the only way to survive. So education was not emphasized. So he made that an emphasis for us. And he showed that in his own life after having to drop out of high school to be able to work at the age of 16, still not giving up on formal education, going back to get his GED as an adult 
and eventually earning a degree in Christian education at the age of 63 years old showed his determination to be educated and his formal education, but also he had so much that life had taught him, so many life experiences that he passed on. I think that's so important. I'm very blessed to be able to have a grandfather, you know, who lived 95 years old and had sound mind, was able to still, even in the last days, talk about family history and talk about his experiences. And that's so valuable. And, you know, the richness of his stories, I never get tired of hearing him tell those same stories over and over. So education, keeping the family together is what he would always say. And he was truly the glue. So he wanted to impress upon us the importance of keeping your family together, not only the immediate unit of the husband, wife with your children, but also keeping the family, the extended family together. And even bigger than that, keeping the communities together to be able to, because we know that the needs of some people are not met in their immediate home. So being able to, or being willing to take care of other people was something that he definitely emphasized as well. And that's a lesson that I believe I'm a giver now because I grew up watching him give. I grew up watching him serve. And I grew up watching him go to marches and go to rallies and fight for rights for all mankind, not only for himself, but to fight for the greater good. The other thing I would like to touch upon is philanthropy. Big Daddy was a giver like none other that I've really seen. Like I said, he would give his last to make sure that someone else had enough. He served for many years in the NAACP on the Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Scholarship Foundation. He raised money each year to be able to give out scholarships to high school students to try to lessen the burden of college education for many people who could not afford it. And that's something that he was very important to him. For over 30 years, I can recall, Dr. Martin Luther King Scholarship Foundation. And I was a recipient of it in 1998. And I was able to actually speak at his last year of being president in 2018. I was the keynote speaker at the symposium, which was something that was very important to me. And as I mentioned before, education, Big Daddy always called me Dr. Derek, when he would call me on the phone, it was Dr. Derek. When he would talk to me about his, to his friends and colleagues, it was Dr. Derek. When he would introduce me to anyone else, it was Dr. Derek. And I often, I asked him, why did you call me Dr. Derek? Or what does it mean to you to be able to say Dr. Derek? And he said, I say Dr. Derek because I, I'm proud of you. I say Dr. Derek because I have a sense of pride in knowing that you did not let my efforts go in vain that you are continuing to build off of the legacy of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., that you are not wasting the doors that were opened by the bloodshed, by the lives that were lost in the civil rights movement, and that you have the ability to now make an impact on the world through the field of medicine. So I do not take it lightly because I always know because of them, we can, right? Because of the sacrifices of many before, because of the bloodshed of many before, we are given opportunities now that 
was not available in the 1950s to 1960s. So doors that my grandparents could not walk through, I can now walk through or have access to and be able to operate in hospitals, be able to serve in boardrooms, be able to invest with groups or sit in restaurants or go to hotels that they had no access to. So that meant a lot, the fact that I was able to achieve my medical degree, I'm able to excel in education because that was something that he was deprived of, but was very important to him. If you're enjoying this episode, don't wait to the end to share it. Share it now. Share this with a friend or a colleague that you think might find value in this information. And then also make sure that you click and leave us a five-star review and give us feedback because we really value your feedback and your input. Now back to the episode. So also with philanthropy, it doesn't have to be the big things. Uh, what I want to empower everyone is everyone can make a difference. Everyone might not be able to be the president. Everyone might not be able to give away scholarships, but everyone has the ability to impact the lives of others. You know, whether it's picking up trash, you know, in someone's yard or being able to help open a door for someone who might not be able to open it for themselves. We all can do things to help others. And I will continue to live my life in that manner to pay tribute to his life and legacy. And just kind of reflecting back, you know, I, I mentioned the last ride. Well, when I was home for Thanksgiving this year, he was in a rehab facility and being able to watch his last few months. I mean, this you're talking about a 95 year old man who is still living independently at home with his wife, still driving still able to go and come truthfully he just had to be home his curfew was sundown so he had to be home to like kids had to be home before the sun was down but you're talking about someone who is still living life to the fullest for the majority of 2023 and then having to lose that independence you know and as a physician we know about how much especially in orthopedics with fractures we know about that loss of independence many times we see it in the elderly with hip fractures but anything that takes away somebody's mobility can definitely take away their independence. And in those last few months where he had to be in you know, a rehab facility or in, in and out of the hospital, that definitely took a toll on his life. But being able to spend that significant time with him during Thanksgiving is moments that I will always cherish. And I recall going over to his rehab facility on Thanksgiving morning to visit him, to surprise him, really. And we sat there for a while and something told me, see if he can leave. And it might have been my wife that said, can Big Daddy leave? So I went to the front desk, talked to the nurse, said, can he be checked out? She said, sure. So without telling him, I wanted to make sure that I could get all the arrangements. So we got him in a wheelchair, put him in the car and took him to my parents' house. So he was able to spend that time with family. But as I pulled up to my parents' house, trying to make arrangements of how to get him out of the car, he said, before you take me out, can we ride for a little bit? I said, sure. So we rode through the community. He lives approximately 10 minutes away and he wanted to ride around his own land and property. But we literally rode for 
about 30 minutes to get there. You know, we rode by his old place of employment at Reynolds Metals. We rode by his brother's house, Shag Burgess, and the property that he owned and farmed as a child and as a teenager. Uh, we rode by his former church. We rode through several different communities as he would point out who lived here and who owned this and who owned that. And then we made it to his house. He said, let's just turn, let's drive down the, the driveway. Nobody ever know we're here uh, because his wife was still at home at that point. I mean, he pointed out several things and he just wanted to make sure everything was fine. And then we took that same route back and we continued to just talk for what was an hour. And he thanked me for that time because little did we know at that point that was truly the most time that he would spend outside for the rest of his life. So I'm very glad, number one, that I took the opportunity to spend time with him at the end of his life and to do something to go out of my way, to get out of my comfort zone, to give him an opportunity to truly see the world again. Like I said, he struggled at the end with the loss of independence because he was such an independent person and he was used to being on the go, used to doing for others. So I just want to impress upon you that life is precious, that time is valuable. As I talk about many times on this podcast, time is our most valuable asset. So don't delay in doing the things that you want to do with your loved ones to a later date, because that date might not come. Another thing, going back to the interview that I did three years ago with my grandfather, sitting with the same microphone in place and I was using this pink hand weight uh, because the microphone would not sit down at that point. I had an Alabama pom-pom sitting over top of it simply to cover it because I didn't want the pink weight on camera. And if you know Big Daddy, he was a big Roll Tide Roll fan. We had many conversations about Alabama and Auburn, but at the end of the conversation, he said, at some point I have to leave. And he reached for the pom-pom and he said, this tosser is like a torch. Hold out your hand. And he said, at some point, the torch has to go from my hand to your hand. And at some point, it will be your responsibility to tell your children and your grandchildren about my life and my legacy as well as the dream of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Not only tell him about it, but continue to live the goals and dreams that he had, because it was truly wanting everyone to have equality, wanting everyone to have an opportunity. I mean, we were talking about the basics of life to be able to equal the playing field for mankind. So the time has come where he can no longer carry on the torch. And it's up to me, it's up to everyone who came across his path, everyone who he ever did to help someone to carry on his legacy. And I accept that challenge. A void is there for the family, a void is there for the community, um, which cannot be filled by one person. I mean, we're truly talking about the one of the last few remnants of leaders from that era of the civil rights movement. Pretty much everybody else is dead and gone. Um, but it's now up to you and me to carry out that mission. So Big Daddy, thank you for all that you did for me as a child, as a grown man. You know, 
I will always cherish the times that we had. I will always carry with me the memories and I will always live my life to make you proud. That's Dr. Derek. You know, I forgot about the fact that you were the first episode on this podcast. But before there were podcasts, there was the radio. He hosted a show for all of my life. And I was able to be a guest on his show as well. So even this podcast has his fingerprints all over it. Likely, the reason that I want to do this podcast, even though I don't know it, is because of seeds that were sown into me through you and through his life and legacy and watching him do and move and do the things that he did. So I'm grateful for the 43 years that I was able to be in your presence. I'm grateful for being able to watch the impact that he made on so many others. And I'm ready to now carry the torch for Charlie Ross Burgess Sr., AKA Big Daddy. I love you, I miss you, and I honor you with my life. So one thing is um, being able to be a doctor. So I know that I'm on standing on the shoulders of, you know, you, Dr. Martin Luther King, my father who integrated the school systems, you know, and many people who gave their lives and bloodshed. So to see me be able to achieve the fact of being able to graduate from medical school, you know, I know that every time you get to say, Dr. Derek, you feel a lot of pride. Uh, tell me about that. I feel a lot of pride and I really mean it to my heart that Dr. Derek that I said to you on a day-to-day basis, even now when I call you, let me speak to Dr. Derek a bit. Even it's Dr. Derek, Dr. Derek. It's Dr. Derek because I feel so proud of you, doctor, that you are Dr. Derek, that you are working at this hospital, that you are getting the benefit of keeping the dream alive of Dr. Martin Luther King and the march alive of your granddaddy who marched with Dr. Martin Luther King that could see his grandson being working and holding this position, but not to stop right there, you know. I would like to see you, Dr. Derek, to carry the light on for Now, we're going to call this the light, you know, see. We're going to call this the light. Now, at the age of 92, somewhere down the line, Big Daddy got to get out of here. Right. I know that I'm going. I ain't ready to go right now. I ain't going to stop. But when Big Daddy leave out of here, hold your right hand up. Big Daddy wants this to buy, to be passed from my hand because I'm gone home to live with the Lord. It's going to be in your hand. It'll be left up to you to tell your children and your children, children, that I got the tosser in my hand and I'm going to encourage you to move on and keep the dream alive of my granddaddy 
and the Manus came. Yeah, the hope. So you're talking about passing the torch, symbolically passing yes, the torch. Yes, you. 